Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So I want to start today's episode by telling you why the sight of a yellow legal pad causes my blood pressure to rise. And I know that that's pretty strange, but it's a thing with me where actually seeing a yellow legal pad causes my pulse rate to quicken and my blood pressure to rise. And it's all because of some things that happened in the fall of 2008. So during the fall of 2008, I was head of school at a K-12 Christian school, and I taught two classes a day mid-morning. I would teach between 9 and 11 a.m., and then when I finished my second class, I would walk back to my office, and the receptionist, our receptionist at the time, she had a system for my phone messages, and she had a big yellow legal pad, and it was right outside my office door, and she would write my phone messages on it, and then I would work my way through them when I got back to my office. Well, in the fall of 2008, that year there was one parent that called me almost every single day, and her name was on that list. So we'll, we'll call her Mrs. Johnson. So I would come back from class, and right on that yellow legal pad it would say, call Mrs. Johnson. And Mrs. Johnson's daughter was in ninth grade, and she was convinced that her daughter was being bullied by another ninth grade girl. And the same thing would happen almost every day. While I was in class, Mrs. Johnson's daughter would go to the bathroom. She would text her mom and say something like, she's staring at me again. And then I would come back from class, and it would say, call Mrs. Johnson. And I would call her, and then I'd hear all about what that child was reporting about what had happened that morning. And the phone calls with Mrs. Johnson never went well, and the in-person meetings actually went worse. She was convinced that her daughter was being bullied, and we were very, very thorough in our investigation. I actually would sit in on many of the classes, and we just really concluded that there was nothing going on. And of course, Mrs. Johnson didn't want to hear that, and it got ugly, and she finally pulled her daughter out of our school the following spring. But to this day, when I see a yellow legal pad, my pulse picks up and my blood pressure goes up. Just visualizing it, call Mrs. Johnson on that yellow legal pad. It actually is got me, um, my pulse is racing right now, just thinking about it. But why am I bringing up this story about a yellow legal pad and Mrs. Johnson? It's because every independent school has them. The teachers discuss them. The teachers do everything they can to avoid them. Administrators cringe when they walk through the front door or when they call you on the phone. And of course, I'm talking about the difficult parents at your school. And some of them are convinced that they know more than the teachers about teaching and they know more about running a school than you do. And I said, every school has them. And the trouble is that as the leader, it's your responsibility to effectively deal with these parents while also supporting your teachers. And that is complex and it's difficult and it's anxiety inducing and it's stressful. But I've got good news for you. As difficult as they are to deal with, there are strategies to make this better. And on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, you're going to learn how to have a successful meeting with an upset parent. And I really just 
um, tried to dig deep into my experience of over 30 years of meeting with upset parents and finally have gotten to the point where most of them actually go pretty well and end pretty well and just really reflected on that and kind of broke it down into a bunch of different sections here. So we've got seven things that we're going to talk about with regards to having a successful meeting with an upset parent. Number one, setting up the meeting. Number two, preparing for the meeting. Number three, having a shift in your mindset. Number four, the beginning. Number um, five, the middle. Number six, the end. And number seven, the post-meeting. So we're going to go through everything from the moment that you find out that there needs to be a meeting or the parent is requesting a meeting all the way through the things that happen after the meeting. And I'll take you through step by step. But before we jump into that, I just want to ask for a favor and then do a quick reminder. The favor is if you could go and write a review of this podcast, wherever you listen to it, that review pushes the podcast out to more um, more leaders, um, as suggested, um, podcasts to listen to. And that's my mission is to help leaders all around the world as they serve and lead at their private schools. And the reminder is, is that, uh, there are a ton of free resources for you on my website, theprivateschoolleader.com. And if you go to theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources, there are plug and play PDs with discussion questions. Those are 45 minute webinars you can use with your staff. There are top 10 lists of productivity books, leadership books, top 10 TED talks for private school leaders, a guide, the six things that every private school teacher wants from their leader and much more. So Jump on at uh, privateschoolleader.com slash resources for all those free tools that can help you as you lead your school. All right. So I said we were going to talk about from the beginning all the way through to after the meeting. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is setting up the meeting. And I want to just make sure that you do not allow the quote unquote ambush meeting. So an ambush meeting is when you're at the basketball game And the parent walks over and just immediately starts talking about something that happened in math class. Or um, they want to, you know, it could be that they're ambushing you at the basketball game because their child is sitting on the bench and they are upset about that. But um, don't allow the ambush meeting. Just immediately cut them off and say, you know what, Um, this sounds important. I want to give it the time that it deserves Um, And let's schedule a time to get together. And now that we're in the post-COVID era, um, of course, meetings take place on Zoom, and that's much more common and acceptable. I am always a big fan of meetings in person. Um, On the phone, you lose all the body language. On Zoom, it's just an awkward um, format. And so I always strongly prefer, especially with an upset parent, to meet with them in person. So setting up the meeting, first of all, don't allow the ambush meeting. Second of all, where do you want to have this in your office if possible? Um, The time of day, um, you want to avoid the times of day that are really busy at your school where you may be getting pulled in a bunch of different directions, but I also know that you want to try and do what's convenient for the parent. So sometimes they're going to be early morning or late afternoon um, to accommodate their schedule, but um, you should have some input on the time of day. And I've found that mid-morning and mid-afternoon are best, but 
that's probably the least important part of this section as far as the time of day. How long should this meeting be? So you're setting up a meeting. They've asked, they said, I'm really upset about blank and they want to come in and they want to have a meeting. Okay. So you're the one that's going to, or your administrative assistant is going to send them an, a calendar invitation. How long should this meeting be? I say maximum 30 minutes. You do not want hour long meetings. Um, you can get everything accomplished that you need to accomplish in 30 minutes or less. And then the last thing about scheduling this meeting, when you set up the meeting and make sure your administrative assistant knows that he or she needs to um, do this anytime they schedule a meeting, you need to schedule 10 minutes after that meeting where you are doing your follow-up work for things that happened during the meeting. So let's say the meeting is from 10 to 10.30, from 10.30 to 10.40 on your schedule, it's follow-up or um, something that is clear to you that you're doing the follow-up for the meeting that you just set up. Um, and I'll get back to why that's so important later, but you definitely don't want to stack meetings, have to cut something short where you might have just needed two or three minutes to really finish off a good meeting and you have to cut them off and run because there's another meeting waiting. Um, I'll get to how your administrative assistant can help end a meeting on time. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But 30 minutes max and schedule 5 to 10 minutes for yourself immediately following so that you can do the things or schedule the things that you talked about during that meeting. So first thing is setting up the meeting. Number two is preparing for the meeting. So um, you get you usually get a little bit of a sense of why um, a parent wants to meet with you. Sometimes they won't tell you and that's not great. Um, but if they say, well, I'm really upset because of something that happened at recess, or I'm really upset because my daughter got um, a detention from the music teacher, or um, I'm really upset because we've talked about this before and my son is not getting challenged in math class. So you have you should, as whenever possible, have the gist, have an idea of what it is that they want to talk about, and then preparing for the meeting, the first thing you want to do is gather information. So talk to the teacher, get a copy of the discipline referral, get a little background on it, because that teacher is not going to be there. Um, this is a meeting with you and that parent. They requested that. Uh, of course, there's the whole part of did you try to work this out with the teacher? And um, if the answer is no, then you're going to strongly, strongly um, recommend slash suggest that they speak with the teacher first because we know that most things can be worked out at the teacher-parent level and they don't need to just immediately jump to the administrator level. Um, but ultimately, if they refuse, um, unless you have a policy in your handbook that says um, that you're not going to meet with parents unless they've spoken with the teacher first, then you're probably going to meet with this parent. So, um, but let's just jump ahead to the point where you're having this meeting, you're gathering information. So now I want to talk about seating logistics for a moment. So there's two big things and one has to do with a clock and the other has to do with the geography of the meeting. Now, I can hear what you're saying. What do you mean the geography of the meeting? I thought we were having it in my office. 
Let me just describe for you what has worked so well for me, especially over the last 10 years, and then why I'm recommending that you try to recreate something like this if possible. So I have a desk, and most administrators have a desk, but many of us have um, two chairs that are guest chairs on the other side of the desk. Well, my desk isn't set up that way. It's kind of tucked into a corner, but I'm very grateful that I have a small round table in my office. And every parent meeting that I have is at the small round table. Now, you know that with a circle, there's no head of the table. Um, Everyone is equal when they're seated around a table. And just the psychology of the administrator, the school leader sitting behind the desk and the parents in the guest chairs, if that's your only option, okay. But I strongly recommend that it's actually better to have the meeting not in your office and in a conference room or another place where people can be seated at a table and you're not behind a desk. There's just a psychological barrier there and you don't want psychological distance between you and this parent. And then the second thing I mentioned briefly was a clock. So I've got this round table. Um, My back is to the wall. The parents are seated and their backs are to my my door of my office and up on the wall above the door is a clock. And the reason that that's relevant is I can check the time without looking at my wristwatch or looking at my, I don't have a smartwatch, but I know many people have wearable technology that just the psychology behind, especially later in the meeting, um, someone looking at their watch, it sends that um, nonverbal body language to the um to the visitors to the parent that it is that um you're being impatient or that you're hoping that this is over or whatever they assign to it as far as meaning but if you have a timepiece now maybe you don't have it up on the wall maybe it's a little digital clock and it's on a shelf on a bookshelf or what have you but i strongly recommend for seating logistics that whenever possible you're at a table there's not a desk between you and that you're facing a timepiece where you can see what time it is and how you are in the meeting as far as time goes without um, looking down at your watch. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say on preparing for the meeting is you just have to have in your mind that you're not going to argue with difficult people because you will not win. And I'll get into what I mean by how you're not going to argue. Um, people who are really good at arguing Uh, or or who are very difficult or very upset often, they're usually very good at arguing because they do it a lot. You know, they do it when they're out at a store and they don't like the service, or they do it when the person comes to um, hook up their um, water meter or their, their their new hot water heater or whatever the case might be. And, and they're just, yelling and arguing a lot. And so you're not going to win when arguing with difficult people. So again, preparing yourself mentally for that meeting, just um, go into it with the mindset that you're not going to argue. All right. So then I want to go on to the mindset shift. So, so far we've talked about scheduling the meeting, preparing for the meeting, and now you're just about to walk into the meeting. And so what is your mindset as you walk in? First of all, optimism. Not toxic positivity, not that, oh, this is going to be all rainbows and sunshine and unicorns, but you have to be optimistic that this is going to be a good meeting. And then the second thing that will help with that is to remember the child in the chair. 
And this is a phrase coined by Heidi Hayes Jacobs, a curriculum expert. And when she came to do a PD at our school, she starts the PD by pulling out a chair, asking us to close our eyes and visualize one of our students. And then she says, okay, every decision that we make, everything that happens during this PD will be with the best interest. It'll be in the best interest of the child in the chair. So again, you're looking at the parent but we, you need to remember the children in your school and specifically the child of these parents and that you're prioritizing their emotional safety and their academic progress and everything that that child needs as opposed to what's happening right in front of you. And then I've heard a quote and I've tried to find who it's attributed to and haven't been able to find it, but here's the quote. If you don't have the confidence, reach for the courage. So you're not always going to have the confidence that you need to have that difficult meeting. But if you don't have the confidence, reach for the courage. Courage is something that in temporary measure can get us through difficult things. And we don't always have to have the confidence. We can just reach for that courage. And then if you know anything about the Star Wars uh, universe, the Star Wars movies, um, you know what Jedi mind tricks are. Um, and these are that's just basically a Star Wars version of, you know, just some psychological tricks. And the trick that I do with my brain is, is that if it's going to be a really tough meeting that I'm really not looking forward to is I think about some specific things that are going to happen when that meeting's over. So let's say that meeting's from 10 to 1030. I think about, well, at 11 a.m. I'm going to go down and um, read a story to, you know, this class, um, or I'm going to pop into this advisory meeting, or after school I'm going to go up uh, to the gym for the basketball game. Um, and visualizing things that happen after the meeting help me to not be so focused on the meeting. And then put on your armor. Okay. And so suit of armor, um, for me, um, I'm still one of those people that, um, like to wear a necktie to work. Um, and a lot of that has to do with my age and my upbringing. And, but honestly, what it's really about is, is that I feel like I'm putting on my suit of armor when I put on my, um, dress shirt and tie. And so put on your armor, whatever psychologically that means to you, because armor arrows bounce off of armor and the words when they're emotional, when they're hurtful words, that you're just visualizing that these words are going to bounce off of you and you're not going to let them sink into you and absorb them and internalize them because there's reasons that they're upset. Um, but if you internalize all that emotion that's coming from that parent, you're not going to have a successful meeting. So put on your armor. And then the last thing is, is that if you're feeling really anxious about this meeting, to just do your go-to mindfulness practice um, immediately before the meeting and then just walk in there and have a great meeting. So we've covered so far scheduling the meeting, preparing for the meeting, the mindset shift that you want to have before the meeting. And now let's talk about the meeting actually starting and we're going to break it down into beginning, middle, and end. So the beginning of the meeting, first of all, big smile. Smile a smile and eye contact um, is a great way to start a meeting um, and also a firm handshake. So you're welcoming them. Um, you know, thank you for taking the time to come in um, and very brief small talk. You don't want to waste 10 minutes of your 30 minutes with talking about the weather, talking about how the local sports teams are doing, you know, a little bit of small talk so that it's not super awkward, but very brief small talk. 
And then you just go into and you say, okay, well, you asked to meet um, with me. And so I'd really like to hear from you um, about what's going on. And then you just are silent and you just let them go and they're going to talk and it's just going to come out. It's going to spill out. It's going to spew. It's going to, you know, whatever words you want to use about how it's going to come out. But one of the things that you've already accomplished, and I just want to press pause here for a moment, that one of the things you've accomplished is, remember, they wanted to do that ambush meeting or they called yesterday afternoon and they said, I want this meeting, blah, blah, blah. Well, now that you're having it, again, let's say it's 10 a.m. the next morning, there's been some, there's been some time to calm down, number one. Number two, if you got an email with all caps and exclamation points asking or demanding this meeting, then you also know that it is something that um, there's there's just been some a little bit of a cooling off period. So again, that's strategic, but hopefully um, it's something that will uh, make a difference. Okay, so they're talking, you're listening, and the most important part of this whole meeting is you're not going to interrupt. Even if you hear something that you know is 100% false, you're not going to interrupt. You're just going to jot that down. You're going to, you know how they say in real estate that it's location, location, location. Well, this is remain calm, remain calm, remain calm is, is the key to a successful meeting with an upset parent. They're still talking. So you're calm, you're confident, you're professional, you're jotting notes. You're using active listening body language, eye contact, leaning forward slightly, um, a neutral expression on your face, not making big uh, facial expressions, especially when they say something that's not true. Um, You're just kind of poker faced, but showing that you're very intent on listening um, and you're letting them go. And for me, the record was 17 minutes when somebody just like talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and didn't stop and just let it all out. But almost all of the time, it's way shorter than that. It's, it feels like a long time, but it's usually, um, five minutes, sometimes less, maybe on on a, what they have a lot to say, it's 10 minutes. Um, but just let them run out of steam. And then the last couple of things before we get into, um, the middle of, what you're going to do to respond to what they just said. Um, Two things. First of all, you are not actually listening if you're listening with the intent to respond. If you're listening, but really what you're doing is thinking up the thing that you're going to say as the comeback or how you're going to respond to what they just said, you're not actually listening. Listening with the intent to respond is not listening. And then number two, again, you have your suit of armor on. Don't take it personally. Visualize those arrows bouncing off your armor and not penetrating and internalizing into your emotional being. Okay, and a quick sidebar. They're, They're going, they're talking, okay? But there are times where you need to cut this off. You're not a doormat. You're not going to be verbally abused, you need to know when to cut it off. And the universal symbol is to stand up and open the door of your office. That should get them to pause and you can just say, I'm sorry, we're going to need to end this meeting now. Um, I'll be happy to schedule another meeting when we're able to have some civil discourse. Um, If it's that the parent is talking to you over the phone and they're just yelling um, and 
you can't get a word in edgewise. Um, you need to just talk loudly over them and say that same thing. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to end this meeting now. I'd be happy to reschedule when we can have a more um, civil discourse. And then you hang up the phone. And then immediately after that, you either call or email your board chair and just give them a heads up. Because most likely, if a parent is asked to leave or you hang up on them, they're going to get in touch with the board president. And so you're just giving them a heads up. So again, over the course of 30 years, I want to say that maybe that's happened three times in 30 years. So it's not that common. Um, usually, um, if you follow all of the things to get to that point that that person is a little bit grateful, even if they don't act like it, to have this audience and to have this opportunity. And they're going to tone it down enough that they're not going to be swearing or threat using abusive or threatening language. So that's just a quick sidebar. All right. So now they've spoken and now we've come to the middle of the meeting and this is when you respond. And I think it's important to respond with three words to the first word, three words out of your mouth are, first of all, I'm going to say that again. The first three words out of your mouth are, first of all. And so you could say, well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that that sounds really hard. Um, first of all, I really appreciate you sharing all of these concerns, first of all. And just try to acknowledge, like, it, it's going to be different based on what they said and how they said it, but to just acknowledge um, what they said and that this is hard. And then you need to validate their concerns. Okay. Um, 90% of the time, and this isn't just me making up a number, um, a, a few articles, um, that I read and I will, um, endeavor to link them in the show notes that about 90% of the time, really what parents want are to be heard and to have their feelings validated. So when someone's upset 90% of the time, they want to be heard and they want their feelings validated. And so validate their concerns. Well, I could see why that would be concerning. Um, now, you're not necessarily saying that you are agreeing with them that the teacher really messed up or that the teacher doesn't like your child or that, you know, whatever else that they said that you jotted down that are the things that you don't agree with. So um, you're validating their concerns. You've heard them with active listening body language. And then find anything that you can agree with. Um, and hopefully you jotted that down. So if you can lead with, well, I certainly agree that, you know, three hours of homework um, is way too much for a 12 year old. That is not our intention. And I'm so glad that we can talk about this to um, try to get this um, to where we all want it to be so that um, Susan can be more successful. Um, so find something that you can agree with. Well, I certainly agree that, you know, dot, dot, dot. And so maybe there isn't anything you can agree with, but if there is, that's a great thing to lead with. And it also validates their concerns. And then empathy, do a heavy dose of empathy. And if there's um, some, if you can say, these are six words that can change the situation. I'm so sorry that that happened, or I'm so sorry that your child experienced that. Now, you're not saying that the school is at fault. You're not saying the teacher is at fault. You're just showing empathy that obviously this was upsetting to the child and upsetting to the parent, or they wouldn't be there. And so you're not really apologizing and agreeing with what they're saying by saying, I'm so sorry that that happened. I'm so sorry that your child experienced that. 
but it is showing empathy. Okay. So again, we haven't even addressed any of the things specifically that they've said or the things that they've said that were incorrect. Um, but it's just how the first few words that come out of your mouth. Okay. Um, and then you're going to emphasize we, you know, don't use you language and I language. Try and try to again, use we language, that we are going to solve this problem together. We are going to partner with you. I use that word a lot. Um, I'm looking forward to partnering with you to continue to make this situation better. Um, We language, okay? And then we're going to focus on behaviors and not opinions. And so specific things, stick to facts, observable facts, things that a teacher saw, not just, well, I think that teacher doesn't, I think that teacher hates my son. Okay, well, that's an opinion. There's no way to prove or disprove that. So we're going to stick to facts as much as humanly possible. And then you're going to check for understanding. Um, and because you just heard what they said, but you need to make sure that that's what they actually meant or that you got what they said. Because two people talking to each other doesn't mean that communication has occurred. You know, oftentimes communication is an illusion. Um, and so check for understanding. So you're going to be like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, and then you just quickly summarize it. Um, and then they're going to say, yeah, you know, and, and, or no. And then you can ask them to clarify, or if you have a clarifying question because you understood 80% of it, but you really didn't understand what they were talking about there towards the end, checking for understanding. Um, don't be defensive. Don't over explain, um, you know, being defensive, uh, overly defensive. That's just going to turn into a back and forth kind of thing. Um, regulate your mood. Um, what's going on inside of you is not going to show on your face or with your body language. And that's probably the hardest part of this meeting. Um, apologize if somebody messed up, if the school messed up, if you messed up, if one of your teachers actually messed up, because sometimes we do like we, if we just dig in and we've already made up our mind that the parent is wrong and everything they say is false before they walk through the door, then we're not going to have a good meeting. Sometimes we mess up and I'll be honest, in early in my career, I didn't apologize. Almost never. Um, and now if I mess up with my teachers or with a parent, I'll just own it and say, you know what, I'm really sorry about that. Um, and I will work hard to, to make it better. And, and here's how. So apology doesn't show weakness and apology doesn't necessarily show that you agree with everything that they said. Um, another thing is don't make promises that you can't keep. Um, and I've been guilty of this before too, is, is that you're in that situation. It's highly stressful. You just want the meeting to end and then you make a couple promises. Okay. Well, the teacher is going to send you a daily email, um, or whatever, fill in the blank. And then you just get the meeting over with and they're happy, but then you have to go face that teacher with something that's actually unreasonable. And so don't make promises that you can't keep. Um, and then just in summary for this middle part, um, discuss the past without dwelling on it and then focus forward with one to two clear and actionable steps. Um, and that's helping us transition into from middle into end. So discuss what happened without dwelling on it, especially when they're going to talk about what happened. When you respond, acknowledge it, don't dwell on it, but move the focus forward of the meeting. The focus is forward. What are we going to do about it? Um, and I just want to pause here real quick. Cause I know I'm throwing a lot of content at you. Um, you know, 
you're going to be able to see um, the big takeaways from this episode when you go check out the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 18. So again, just take it all in and then you can revisit those show notes as far as these granular uh, things that are parts of these um, parts of this meeting with an upset parent. So what we've accomplished so far is that we've talked about um, setting up the meeting, scheduling it, preparing for the meeting, our mindset shift before the meeting, the beginning that involves the parents, the middle that involves you, and then the end that is going to wrap up and involve the parents and set a course for where we go from here. So at the end of the meeting, whenever possible, um, offer more than one solution so the parent has some agency. In other words, um, this isn't always possible, but if it is, if you could say, well, we could try X or we could try Y. Um, what, are, what are your initial thoughts or do you want to talk to your um, son and, and um, shoot me an email? I've done that often. I'll say, okay, we could do this or we could do that. Um, what, what do you think? And so the parent has some agency. Um, now that's not always possible. Some Many times you have to be more prescriptive than that, but you always want to come up with, well, here are the next steps. Um, here's the, here are the two things that are going to happen next. And it might be number one, that you're going to talk to the teacher and number two, you're going to get back to them tomorrow. Those might be the next two steps because you need more information based on what you just heard. Um, but if you've already done your homework, um, before the meeting and you kind of know the whole situation pretty well, and you don't need to talk to the teacher, then maybe you can just jump ahead to the next steps that are going to make this situation better. And remember a lot of times, I know that most of the time you're thinking that a hundred percent of the time when you get to this part, that there have to be next steps and there has to be an action and that this is just getting started and this is going to turn into this protracted thing where it's back and forth and back and forth. And I want to tell you from my experience, that is not true. It is definitely going to be that many of them are going to have next steps, but a lot of them just want to be heard and validated and they feel better, and then um, that the next steps are don't have to be that um, um, that big or that um, intrusive on a teacher or a classroom or on the school itself. And so again, to just kind of have that balanced uh, point of view about next steps, and then wrapping it up. Um, you know, so you see, cause you are where you're sitting, you're able to see that timepiece across the room behind the parents and you can be like, well, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. And you start using body language, like putting down your pen or closing your notebook or closing your laptop, whatever you were using to take notes. I prefer to, um, use uh, paper and pen because sometimes a device is also a psychological barrier and people perceive that when someone's on a device that they're not listening because that's often true. But you know, your body language of like wrapping it up, close your notebook, put your pen down, stand up or kind of slide forward in your chair. Or at that point, maybe you do look at your wristwatch. Um, and then with the end, I want to just throw this out there as far as your administrative assistance role. So um, let's say that it goes for 30 and um, you it's still going strong. I mean, you just have to have a, a system with your administrative assistant where he or she is going to knock on the door and um, just say, um, you know, I just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, you have this this um, appointment, I mean, you do have an appointment with yourself for the next 10 minutes because you're going to do things um, afterwards. Um, but 
you know, again, you can work it out with your administrative assistant. You don't want to lie and say that, you know, you've got the board president online too. Like I'm, I'm not about making stuff up. Um, just come up with something that is, um, hundred percent true. Um, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, we just need to move on to the next thing, whatever it might be. Your administrative assistant may be more or less comfortable with that role, but, um, there has to be some sort of safety valve, um, there in case it is running over time. All right. And then lastly, and then we'll just wrap this up is post meeting. So I, I mentioned that you've already scheduled some time for yourself, five to 10 minutes where after the parents leave, that you're going to schedule those next steps right into your Google Calendar. So if it is that you're going to follow up with that teacher, then look at that teacher's schedule and see, okay, I see that that teacher is available at this time, put it into your calendar. And if the next step is to then call the parent, here's what I'll do. If I say I'm going to get back to you, let me look into, let me take a couple days to look into this and I'll get back to you by the end of the day on Thursday. Well, then Thursday around one o'clock, I make an appointment with myself. I put it right in Google Calendar from like 1 to 1, 10 p.m., get back to um, Mrs. Smith, okay? Um, and then that way I don't forget because trust is built by keeping your promises. And if you say, especially in that moment, you've worked really hard to get to this point where you've finished the meeting, um, now you need to keep the promises, um, and that's why I said before, don't make promises you can't keep because then when the stress of the meeting is over and the parents have left, now you're faced with having to go talk to your teacher about an unreasonable thing that you promised. So um, keep your promises, schedule, next steps, um, and then write a summary email to the parent. And it can be, it doesn't have to be long. It can just be, um, thank you for coming in today. Just wanted to summarize. And then because you jotted some notes down, you just give a couple bullets of their main concerns. And then at the end, you say what you're going to do. Um, and then you send that off to the parents and, and you say, um, and then it, trust me, if they think you got something wrong or they, um, you know, are in, they're not on the same page with you as far as what you said that you're going to do. Um, after the meeting, the, the next steps, then they'll get back to you, but it documents it and make sure that everyone's on the same page because then it reduces the ability or, um, desire on the part of the parents to be like, well, that's not what we said, or that's not what you said. So again, just follow up with a brief email. And then of course you're going to follow up with all affected employees. So I know that's a lot. Um, I said that the show notes are at, at um, theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 18. Um, the big takeaways from today's episode is scheduling the meeting. Number two, preparing for the meeting. Number three, the mindset shift before the meeting. Number four, the beginning of the meeting. Number five, the middle. Number six, the end. And number seven, the post meeting. And I always like to give a call to action. And you probably already do this. But the call to action for you is to let the parent go first and never interrupt until they're done talking. The only exception would be is if they are abusive and you need to end the meeting because of that. But let the parent go first. Let them just let off that steam and just get it out. Don't interrupt. Jot down some notes and then respond once they've stopped talking. So to wrap up the episode, um, I just hope that this was valuable to you. Um, I want to help you thrive at your school. And we all know that 
as I said, every school has them. They're difficult parents. Some even sometimes it's even the parents that aren't that difficult. But every once in a great while, they get really upset about something. But I feel strongly that this formula that I've been using for a really long time will help you to have successful meetings with upset parents. So just be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Um, also grab those show notes at the privateschoolleader.com slash episode um, 19. Um, a new episode of the Private School Leader podcast comes out every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. I'm on Instagram at the Private School Leader, on Twitter at the PS Leader. And if this was helpful to you, just please subscribe and share it with other leaders or aspiring leaders at your school. I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I appreciate you. I appreciate the difference you're making at your school. Thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to join me. And I will see you next time right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.